The passage we are looking at tonight is about Jesus' last supper with his disciples. And it takes place just hours before Jesus will be arrested and suffer, right? And so we're going to be looking at this passage in John. It's John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. And we're only going to read the first 11 verses now, starting out. Just, just so you know. And so I'll give you a second to turn to the Gospel of John, fourth book of the New Testament, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. So starting in verse 1, uh, this is God's Word. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father... Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, you, we've read your word. And that is, that is really enough. Uh, that is enough to, to bring death to life. That is enough to um, transform people, to change the world. Uh, But Lord, we ask now that you would come and and continue to work through the preaching of your word. Would you really use this time uh, to apply the truth of this passage to our hearts? Help us listen, help us learn, help us Apply, help us see Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. My freshman year in high school, I was staying at my best friend's. He had two older siblings in college, and one of them was on break, right? Uh, Maybe both of them were on break where they were at home. And the next thing you know, there was a lot of people at his house. 
college student college students from UT Knoxville, local community college, other universities in the state of Alabama, and, and plenty of them were above the legal drinking age. Okay, and so before you know it, someone was going to make a beer run, a B double E double R U N, right? And I thought, this is going to be a great night. And so I threw in probably 10, 20 bucks, told the, told the folks, hey, buy me the strongest beer that could get. Whatever the strongest beer, 10 to 20 bucks could get. And here's the thing, like, there was no peer pressure. You know, I, I wasn't, like, I was just about to have a good time. Uh, and the guy returns with some Bud Ice. That's what it was called. I don't even know if they still make it, but it's a really terrible beer. Um, but a few drinking games later, it didn't matter what anybody was drinking. Um, I was the drunk freshman at the party. I was a freshman in high school. I was the drunk freshman at the party. It was the first time I ever got hammered. I mean, I was really drunk and I really made it memorable. Uh, well, late that night with the assistance of others, I made it to my friend's twin size bed. And the last thing I remember was was watching the the ceiling spin. The next morning I woke up in a different bed and in different clothes. And so I walked into the living room and I, I'm kind of like, you know, just kind of get my bearings and I asked my friend's brother, "What happened, dude?" And he said, "Bro, you puked everywhere. All over yourself, all over my friend's bed. I didn't remember any of that. Like, I remembered the party, but I don't remember anything that happened after I had fallen asleep. But my friend Chris had taken care of me all night. Like, my friend cleaned me up and put me in another bed cleaned up his room, cleaned up his bed, and he never said anything about it. I mean, we were freshmen in high school. We were high school students together for three more years. Like, he didn't give me a hard time. He wasn't mad. There was no shame. There was nothing. He just served me. And I didn't deserve any of it. Uh, and I just want to go on record saying a few things. One, underage drinking is illegal. And drunkenness, getting drunk, is wrong. Okay, I just want to be really clear and say that. Um, but often throughout my life, I, I'll think of this story. I'll remember this night. And some of you, I'm sure, may be able to think of similar stories. But here's the thing that's amazing to me. My friend, at 15 years old, could serve me the way he did. Because serving others is so difficult. Like, it's really, really, really hard to serve people. You know, and we can come, we can kind of come up with all sorts of reasons why we don't serve others. But here's the number one reason I think we struggle to serve it's because we want to serve ourselves. 
and we we want to serve our we want to serve ourselves so easily and so primarily because we we love ourselves and so naturally we're just going to want to serve ourselves and so here's the big idea from this passage that I want us to just kind of think about and reflect on together for the rest of the night is love is visible love is visible and we see that in a few ways here one we're going to see love com- like love comes to us like love moves towards us love challenges us and love compels us and so let's think about the first thing love comes to us you, this is kind of coming out of verses 1 through 5. It's Thursday, the day before Passover, which was the first of three great festivals. I mean, I want you to think big deal. I want you to think Christmas, right? Big holiday. Jesus is having his last supper with the disciples, and they had no idea what was going to go down. Jesus knew, you see this in verse 1, Jesus knew it was time, it was his time to descend into death. It was his time to descend into the grave. And the passage tells us why he willingly did this. It's, It's unbelievable. It's just so rich. You see it. Having loved his own, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He was willingly doing this because he loves his people. And then starting in verse 2, you, you kind of see love come down in a couple ways. Uh, love come to us in a couple ways. One is we're, we're reminded that Jesus came from God the Father and is going back to God the Father you see that in verse 3. The big idea, Jesus came from heaven. Jesus not only came down from heaven, like lowering himself, he came in the form of a servant. I mean, just look at verse 5. Jesus, the Son of God, washes the disciples' feet. That's unbelievable. The very one who is holding the molecules of that water together. The most exalted person, period. Jesus is dressed like a slave. Like Jesus is acting like a slave. Foot washing was a common thing then. But it was the most menial task. It was one of the lowest tasks. Some Jews wouldn't even let their own slaves do it. And so we see love come to us, love come down, love lowering its, love lowers itself. And so Jesus has, he's been talking about love up to this point a lot and is now showing the disciples, like showing them, that the way of love is one of humility and service. Like, We do not, guys, we do not naturally lower ourselves. Humility is not easy. And we don't think of service as a spiritual thing. We just don't. It's not, you know, 
Christians, I mean, if you hang around Christians long enough or if you are one and you know this to be true, like we get really worked up. We get really concerned when we haven't had a quiet time for a week or two, right? And what I mean by quiet time is like we haven't had a devotional. We haven't read the Bible and prayed. But we rarely notice when we go months without serving someone. And so, like, Jesus is showing us here that the way up is actually to go down, like, is the way down. That love expresses itself in service. If you want to be great, if you want to have glory and renown, if you want honor, you want honors, like you want to graduate magna cum laude, if you want the praise of others, then you're not going to understand Jesus' kingdom. Like you're going to miss some very important realities of Jesus' kingdom because the way of life that Jesus is leading us into is about giving up those things. Honor, prestige, renown, glory. The praise of others. It's about giving up those things. It's about emptying yourself. Lowering yourself. And so a question for you just think about. When, when was the last time you did some menial, monotonous tasks for someone and did not want the world to know? When's the last time you served someone in secret? When is the last time you did your roommate's dishes and was not angry about it? Right? And so we see love come to us. We also see love challenges us. You see that primarily in verses 6 to 10. And in verse 6, we, you see Jesus, he's about to wash Peter's feet. And Peter cannot believe what he is seeing. And he refuses at first. One writer said, in Peter's mind, the Messiah, the long-awaited king <clears throat> and savior, would never suffer, would never submit, would never serve. Peter had just seen Jesus' deity. Like, Peter had just gotten a glimpse of his true nature, and now that same Jesus is going around the room washing people's feet, acting like a slave. And so Jesus responds to Peter's refusal a couple ways. First, Jesus is patient with him and says, you don't understand, but you will one day. You see that in verse 7. And then Peter like orders Jesus. And what does he say? I mean, he, you shall never wash my feet. Michael Card, a, a writer, a songwriter, uh, says that Peter in this moment isn't refusing Jesus' friendship. Rather, and, he, and Peter doesn't even know what he's doing, probably. Rather, it's a denial of who Jesus really is. Jesus is the servant Lord. Right? So Jesus makes things really clear for Peter and for us. He, he makes them really clear at the end of verse 8. If, he says this, If I do not wash you... You have no share with me. Jesus is saying, 
If I can't forgive your sins, you can't have a relationship with me. Right? If, if I can't wash your sins away, you can't be with me. Jesus, in one short sentence, made the gospel so clear. Jesus' salvation is free. It's by his own work for us. And it is free or it is nothing. Like we can't earn this cleansing. Jesus came to be our Savior, right? By being our servant. And that, my friend, is really, really good news. And it's really good news that is hard to grasp because it means for us we have to be needy. We have to be needy for the cleansing of Jesus. And that's hard for all kinds of reasons. One, I mean, we we don't think we don't think we're that bad. We don't need Jesus. I mean, I'm not that bad. I really don't need that. Being needy, accepting criticism, owning the fact that you're not okay is really hard. But even when we've realized that we get a like a glimpse of it, like that we're needy, it's still really hard to allow Jesus to serve us at all. I mean, we would have done what Peter had done. We'd have been like, no, 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 you're not serving me. I mean, we want to do things ourselves. Some of you, I mean, I know because I hang out with you and we talk and and I know I've experienced a lot of these struggles myself. Some of you have a relationship to Jesus that's based entirely on what you do. On what you do. So the idea of Jesus serving you is, is hard to accept. It's hard to, it's hard to grasp. It's hard to believe. It's hard to own. But a relationship to Jesus is based entirely on what he's done for you. And then there's another side, there's another group of us, right, that think we can't have a relationship to Jesus because of what we've done. And you know what I'm talking about. Some of you think you can't have a relationship to Jesus because of what you've done. That you are somehow too far off, too sinful, too dirty. You know this. Some of you feel so dirty. Jesus can make you clean. That's what this passage is whole this passage is all about. Like he came to make you clean. And so let's just kind of summarize what we've been talking about. Forgiveness of sins is the foundation of our relationship to Jesus. And the only way to experience that is to be washed. This one writer says, 
to be washed simply because Jesus wants to wash our sins away. Not because we think or feel we deserve to be washed. Simply because Jesus wants to wash our sins away. And so the the final thing we're going to think about is this idea that love not only comes to us, not only challenges us, but love compels us. And you see that in verses 12 to 17. After he had washed their feet, Jesus sat down at the table, and what he, he, you know, just, he begins to unpack the significance of what he just did. Look at verses 14 to 15. I mean, he just makes it so clear. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, right, have served you, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. What Jesus said is for all his disciples, not just the ones around that table. Jesus is calling us to a lifestyle of servant love where we serve people. We even, at times, will serve those who will betray us. Uh, there's, a, there's a writer out there, a lady named Anne Lamott. Anne Lamott wrote a book called Traveling Mercies. And in this book, she tells a, a really great story about one night when she thought, this, this kind of crazy thought runs through her mind. And, and some of you have probably experienced this, but the thought that went through her mind was this. It is crazy to believe in Christ. I mean, it's just the thought went through her mind. It's crazy to believe in Jesus. And then something truly amazing happened. A man from church showed up at her front door. He's kind of like, you know, smiling and waving to her and her, and her little boy, Sam. And so she lets him in. After exchanging, you know, some of the small talk pleasantries that we do, he said this. He goes, Margaret and I, I'm assuming that's his wife, uh, wanted to do something for you and the baby. So what I want to ask is, what if a fairy (laughs) appeared on your doorstep and said that he or she, because, I mean, a fairy could be a guy fairy, could be a girl fairy, that he or she would do any favor for you, anything you wanted around the house done, anything around the house that you felt too exhausted to do by yourself and too ashamed to ask anyone else to help you do it. That was his question. And so she was just looking at him, and she knew immediately probably what she, she would ask. And she said, I can't even say it. She, she said, I can't say it. I, it's too horrible. It's too horrible. 
But he finally convinced Anne Lamott to tell him. And she said it would be to clean the bathroom. And he ended up spending an hour scrubbing the bathtub, the toilet, the sink with Ajax and lots of hot water. And, while she, and, and he was scrubbing the bathroom while she sat on the couch watching TV, feeling vaguely, maybe a little bit guilty, and nursing her baby, Sam, to sleep. But she goes on to describe, she goes on to say, it made me, this experience, it made me feel sure of Christ again. It made me feel sure of that kind of love. This, a man scrubbing a new mother's bathtub, is what Jesus means to me. To get to a place in life where scrubbing toilets is a normal part of our life, you know, just a natural reflex to serve that way, we must see something in this passage and get it. We must see that Jesus is our substitute before he is our example. Like Jesus took our place and did for us what we could never do for ourselves. Jesus tells us, I mean, think about it in this passage. Jesus tells us what is true before he tells us what to do. You see it here. Jesus tells you what is true, that he came to serve you because he loves you, and he actually demonstrates it in this passage. Jesus became nothing to make you something, right? Jesus gave up his life so that you could have life. Jesus was humiliated so that you might be exalted. Now, in light of that truth, go serve others. Follow my example. A Christian is someone who looks down at Jesus washing their feet. I heard a pastor say something like this one time. That, that a Christian is someone who looks down at Jesus washing their feet and says, I do not deserve this. But I need it. But I need it. And if Jesus did this for me, then I can and should do it for others. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for Jesus, the one who has ultimately served us because he loves us. Lord, would we see him would we trust Him? Would we follow Him? I pray in His name. Amen.